Well, this morning I want to talk to you about the, the work of the Spirit of the Lord. I, of course, could never cover every aspect of the Spirit of the Lord in the time that we'll spend here together this morning. Uh, this will take a lot of study on your own personal time as well. But go ahead with me this morning and open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Again, we're going to just talk about one of the aspects of the Spirit of the Lord. It's an important aspect, one of the main aspects of the work of the Spirit of the Lord within our hearts, within our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Of course, 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, then 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 3. And if you found that, I'd like you to now look down with me and we'll start reading in verse 7 for today's teaching. It says, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Question mark, right? So the Apostle Paul, as he wrote this epistle here, this instructional letter, that's what an epistle would be. It's an instructional type letter. He, he brings up Moses and that time in the history of the children of Israel where God gave to them the law. And that is the, the law of the commandments that were written on tablets of stone. And that was indeed a glorious time, to say the least, a spectacular event in the lives of the children of God, the Israelites, and for the lives of all of us today as well. But Paul here is letting the believers in Jesus know that the law that was given at that time was in a sense the ministry of death but there is a ministry of the Spirit that is now in effect that does not minister death, but rather brings liberty or brings freedom. The Spirit of the Lord brings us that freedom, right, that liberty. And the ministry of the Spirit of the Lord today is the ministry of righteousness. And we'll talk a lot more about that as we go on here. But let's stay here in this chapter now, and I just kind of wanted to, to touch on that for you, but I want you to back up now, and we'll go back up to verse 1, same chapter, verse 1, and we'll kind of expound on all of this a little bit more. So it says, do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? So all that Paul is pointing out here in verse 1 is that he doesn't, need them, he doesn't need to give to the Corinthians to whom he was writing at this time. He doesn't need to give them a, a resume of his qualifications. Nor do the others that are working in the ministry with him. Right? The Corinthians knew who Paul was. And they knew the, the work that he had done and was doing in their lives through ministering the Lord to them. And he goes on to say in verse 2, You are our epistle, 
written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So again, Paul is just bringing up that time in history of the, the time of the children of God, the children of Israel, when God gave them those commandments. And Paul, in essence, says here, that's not what it's about now. That's not what it's about now. All, all of that was great. All of that was glorious. But there's now something far better than that. It's not about the law now. The work that God now does in the lives of His children is a work that He does in the hearts of people. It, it's very important that we understand this today. The children of God are not made up of just an ethnic group only, like the Jews, for example, right? Like the law was given to the Jews. The spirit, the children of God today are not made up of just that ethnic group. Right? That's the way it was back in the days when the law was given to Moses. But today, the children of God are those that are led by the spirit of the living God. Today, to be a child of God, one must be born of the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. Now, let's mark this page, because we will come back to it after a while. But let's mark this page, and I want you to turn to Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans is just before 1 Corinthians, so back to the left from where you are now. You're in 2 Corinthians, you go back to 1 Corinthians, and then back to Romans, Romans chapter 8. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down in this teaching... We're talking about what the Spirit of the Lord does in the heart of a person. But we're going to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What is it that the, that the Holy Spirit wants within us? What is it that the Holy Spirit is doing within us today? Bless you. Verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay, so who are the people that are not condemned? It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. To who? It's to those who are in Christ Jesus, it says here. And those that are in Christ Jesus are those that... What do they do? How are they known? They do not walk according to the flesh, but they walk according to the Spirit. And remember, the ministry of the, the Spirit is the ministry of righteousness. And like I said, we'll talk more about that. But the contrast here is being made between those that are led by the flesh and those that are led by the Spirit. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son 
in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So what that's saying there, when it says in verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. In other words, we couldn't keep the law. Our flesh was weak. We can't keep the law, right? We couldn't do it. There, there are none righteous, the Bible says, no, not one. We all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. We couldn't do that, right? So, but God did something else. He sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was like us, right? He walked on this earth like us. We know He did not sin, but He was like us. He had the ability to. He had the capability, if you will, of temptation coming at him. The devil took him and tempted him in the wilderness, but yet he remained without sin. Okay? So when I say he had the ability to sin, don't take that the wrong way. I'm just saying he was like us. Okay? But it says that Jesus condemned sin in the flesh, right? And that's what God did for us. Totally unmerited by us, right? Totally undeserved by us. In His great grace, God loved the world and sent His Son to die for your sin and for my sin. That's what God did. That was His grace. That's the wonderful grace of God that He did something like that to send Jesus. And why did God do this? Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who... Now here's the key, right? And this is what we're going to be stressing today. The righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us who, those who, right, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So you see, the law was good. The commandments were good and are still good today. But the law, the commandments, have a righteous requirement. They require righteousness. They require that you keep all the commandments, that you keep all the laws. God requires righteousness of us. There must be righteous living in order for us to please God. But thanks be to God and thanks be to our Lord Jesus for condemning sin in the flesh. We now no longer have to walk being led by the flesh. We don't have to live like that anymore. We don't have to walk in a way that we're being led by the flesh. Now, through the Spirit of God, we can walk in the Spirit, which again is a ministry of righteousness. Okay, righteousness is, can be fulfilled in that person who is walking in the Spirit. Today, many people that profess, profess that they are Christians are still living lives where they are still willfully fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And they think they are saved because grace gives them that freedom, they think. But that's not what the Bible teaches. This is not the Christianity that the Bible teaches. There are many that pervert the teaching of grace today to make it sound like you can continue in sin and still be saved, but the Scriptures do not teach that. In verse 5 here, we see where a distinction continues to be made, and it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit 
the things of the Spirit. In other words, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit, not the things of the flesh. You see, this type of behavior can be undertaken by any and all of us today if we so choose. You've got to understand that the Spirit of God does not possess you in a manner where He overtakes you and t- overtakes all of your decision-making abilities and you're out of control. You know, that's not what the Spirit of the Lord is doing with us. That would be a different kind of spirit that does that, right? You can get drunk on beer, wine, and alcohol, and all sorts of mind-altering drugs and such, and those spirits will overtake your mind and make your decisions that you ordinarily, you'll make you make decisions that you would ordinarily not make. But that's not the work of the Holy Spirit. Could you give me this um, charger over here? That's plugged into the wall there and just pull that cord over here for me. Let's come around the back side on this one here. Yeah, right there. Thank you. So again, there is that type of spirit that can overtake you, but that's not what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, right? Doesn't doesn't possess us like that, right? But as it says here in verse 5, we do have the ability today to set our minds on the things of the flesh. We do have that ability still. Any person can choose to begin to, to think on the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, right? They can then after that, they can set their minds on those things, and then they can fall into those things, and they can act out those things, right? But as we also see in verse 5 here, the person that sets their minds on the things of the Spirit is the person that then lives according to the Spirit. And since the ministry of the Spirit is righteousness, Right? The true spirit, the truly spirit-led person is a person that is not walking willfully in sin, but is rather walking after the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And this is what the Word of God teaches us to do. As a matter of fact, it's what the grace of God teaches us to do. Go ahead and mark this page, because coming back to this page as well, if you can, need a couple markers here this morning. But I want you to go ahead and turn toward the back of your Bibles now to the book of Titus. Now, I show these scriptures to you guys often, it seems. Over the years, I've shared these scriptures a lot, but it's very important that I do because we're, we're living in a time where many professing Christians are believing a perverted and a twisted doctrine, if you will, of the grace of God. So it's important that we understand what really is the grace of God? What does the grace of God really teach us? Right? So in Titus chapter 2, Uh, Starting down in verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation, I always point this out when I bring these scriptures up, what grace is this talking about? It's talking about the grace that brings salvation, the grace that saves people, that saving grace, if you will. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all 
men, right? So who, who, who is it offered to? It's offered to everybody, all of mankind. This grace is offered. It's appeared to all men. Then verse 12 continues and tells us what the grace of God does in our lives. It says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In the present age, it says. So, in the present age, today, this very day that we now live here on this earth, today, if we know the grace of God, then we are people that are denying ungodliness. And we are denying worldly lust, if we know the grace of God. We are living soberly, like it says. We are living righteously. We are living godly lives. You ain't saved by grace. If you're having sex outside of marriage, getting drunk, choosing all the kinds of willful sin like a, the non-believing world does, don't go around professing that you're saved by grace because that's not the grace that the Word of God teaches. The person that is saved by the grace of God is a person that has the Spirit of the Lord in them, leading them in the ways of righteousness. And verse 13 there says, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Do you see how plain that is? Jesus gave His life to redeem us from sin. Take us out. Redeem us. And He works by His Holy Spirit today to purify us and to make us His own special people. A people that are what? What does it say there? That, that are zealous for good works. Zealous to do good. Striving every day to do good. Not, not living in the sin they lived in before they supposedly came to Christ. Not walking in the sin of the, the ways of the world. Right? Not, not, a, not a person that's saved by some perverted teaching of grace that allows you to continue in sin. Go ahead and flip back now to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 again, picking it up in verse 6. It says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Right? That's what I mentioned earlier, right? If you are fulfilling the lust of your flesh, you are not living a life that pleases God. And there was a righteous requirement of the law that none of us could keep, that none of us can keep, so we need the working of the Holy Spirit. But I'm simply pointing out, what is the Holy Spirit doing in us? What's the evidence? There is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. There is evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in a person's life. Something's happening. They're walking in righteousness. They're living holy lives. They're living soberly. They're denying ungodliness because of the grace of God taught them that. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, 
then you are what the Bible calls carnally minded. If I set my mind on the things of the flesh today, I'll be carnally minded. I can go off in that direction tonight, tomorrow, whenever, if I set my mind on it, right? But that's enmity with God, it says. The word enmity means to be actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. That's what the word enmity means. You're hostile toward that person, toward that thing. If you're living according to the flesh, fulfilling your fleshly desires, then you are living in hostility toward God. Your life is not pleasing God. But there is a solution to all of this. Verse 9 continues and says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if... If, indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So the Word of God through the Apostle Paul here makes an important distinction. There are those that have the Spirit of God and those that do not. The ones that do are the ones that are not in the flesh. They are the ones that are not living according to the lust of the flesh. They are the ones that have the Spirit of Christ in them. Verse 10, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. So that's the evidence, right? The person's dead to sin that has Christ in them, the Spirit of the Lord living in them, active, live, actively living in them. That person's dead to sin. But it says the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So that Spirit of God that, that's working the ministry of righteousness within us is causing us to live righteously, soberly, godly in this present age. Right? Now remember we saw earlier that the Spirit of the Lord, like I keep mentioning to you here, is working a ministry of righteousness. The body or the flesh, if you will, is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of the Lord gives life because of righteousness. And if you live led by sinful deeds rather than a life led by righteousness, then you are carnally minded, as it says, and not being led by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, sometimes we can hear a teaching like this and, and we can feel condemnation. Right? Like, oh man, I'm, uh, I'm not doing everything right. Well, you know what? That's good if you hear that. That's good because that's what the Word of God does. It corrects, it rebukes, it instructs us in righteousness. Right? But God's mercy is new today. And we can, through God's mercy, say, you know what? I hear this. I, and I see what's going on in my own life. I see how I've been living. And I do profess to be a Christian. But yet, according to the Word of God, there's a way I should be living. And I'm not. So I'm going to repent. I'm going to change. I'm going to turn today and repent, right? And seek the Lord for His Spirit to fill you afresh and, and to put you on the path of righteousness. Verse 11 goes on, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Remember, Jesus talks about an abundant life in him. He talks about the enemy, the thief, Satan, who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, that's not why I came. I came to give you life and and life more abundantly. We can have that abundant life. We can have that living water flowing up within us when we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. But when we set our minds on the things of the flesh, it's enmity with God. It's carnality. And we find ourselves far away from God and not knowing the presence of God in our hearts and in our minds, not understanding His will for our lives because we're choosing the wrong path. And verse 14 there says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's how you know, right? So again, the children of God today is not that ethnic group that got the law, right? But rather, it's open now to to anyone, to all men, the grace of God has appeared. And it's open to anyone who will truly come to faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, oftentimes I think faith is understressed, meaning it's not pointed out enough what it means to live by faith, right? Faith is is an active commitment. Faith without works is dead. It's a dead faith. So if you ain't working, if you're not working in righteousness and walking in the ways of the Lord, letting the the ministry of righteousness of the Spirit of the Lord work within you, then you're really not walking in faith. You can't profess faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the demons believe in God. The demons believe there's a God. The devil believes there's a God. So what better are you if you believe there's a God? What's the difference? Right? But we now need to live our lives not according to the flesh or our fleshly desires, but but by the leading of the Spirit, the ministry of righteousness, as we saw back in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So go ahead now and turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So again, the Apostle Paul points out that the Spirit of the living God now works in the hearts of people, right? It is a ministry of life, not a ministry of condemnation. Not a ministry of condemnation and death like the law is. The people that are the beneficiaries of this ministry are those that are led by the Spirit of the Lord. And in verse 4, Paul continues and says, And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So what Paul was ministering then to the people and the written word of God is speaking to us this morning is that there is now a a new covenant. The old covenant that was given to Moses for the children of God at that time was a covenant based upon the laws, the glorious, wonderful laws of God. But they were laws that condemned people guilty of and, and showed us that we were guilty of sin. 
right? And like I've said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Scripture tells us. None of us can have righteousness ruling and reigning in our lives today based on our own ability to keep the laws of the Old Testament rigorously or religiously, right? We can't do that. We all fall short. But righteousness is still a requirement of God. But if we have to rely on our own ability to keep all the laws that were given to Moses and the children of Israel, we're going to fall short. We're going to fall short. If we try to do things in and of the power of our own flesh, we're going to fall short. We will not be able to live up to God's standards. So what we need is the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in us. Today, any person that is not being led in righteous living by the Spirit of God, that is a person that still has the guilt of sin upon them. Remember what we read back in Romans? It's uh, Romans 8.12. We read, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. What does that mean, debtors to the flesh? It means we don't owe the flesh anything. I don't have to fulfill what it says. I don't have to do what my lust says. I don't have to do what my eyes look at. I don't have to grab everything I see. I don't have to go after. I don't have to live like that. Right? A born-again believer in Jesus Christ should not live a flesh-led life any longer. To be born again means that you have been born of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit now indwells you, and as a result, He, the Holy Spirit, is working the ministry of righteousness in you. And as a result of that, right, you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Verse 7 says, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation and glory, um, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Let me read that again. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. You see, the law was awesome in its work because it revealed to us that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We all have violated the righteous requirements of the wonderful law of God, but the law revealed to us that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. We're dead spiritually. But today, we are not under the law any longer. Under grace, we are now, right? The, the grace that now teaches us to walk in righteousness. And all of this is done within us by the work of the Holy Spirit. But are we yielding our lives to the flesh or are we yielding our lives to the Spirit today? What are we setting our minds on? What consumes our minds? The things of this world? The things of the flesh? The lust of the eye? The lust of the flesh? The pride of life? Oh, I want that. Oh, I gotta have that. Oh, I deserve that. All the things that distract us from knowing this, the work of the Spirit within our life. Right? Paul, here in verse 10, continues to speak about the difference between the working of the law and the working of the Holy Spirit. He says, For even 
what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. In other words, Paul is saying that the working of the Holy Spirit far excels the working of the law. Verse 11, For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. So Paul here is, is just very confident in what he's teaching about the working of the Spirit over the working of the law. And he brings up now how Moses had to handle the law. He said, unlike, verse 13, unlike Moses who put a, a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. So remember, Paul is talking about the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, right? The working of the Spirit. When a person is in Christ, their eyes are no longer blinded to the things of God. The Spirit of God opens their eyes. They see that they need to repent of their sin. And the Spirit of the Lord works in that person. And they now live their lives working what is good. They are zealous for good works, as we saw in Titus chapter 2. But Paul continues to speak about those that have not been liberated by the Spirit of the Lord. And he says in verse 15, But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. You know, many people today, when they hear the Word of God, when they hear the preaching of the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God, there's a veil lying over their heart. Something that's, that's, that's blocking them from receiving. And we know that the enemy, Satan today, blinds the minds of people, blinds the eyes of people, lest they should hear the gospel and be saved, right? But it says in verse 16, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Right? So the question is, is have you truly turned your life over to the Lord? It begins with repentance. Don't let anyone leave that out of the gospel that you hear or that you've heard. It begins with repentance. Making a decision, a decision that you are done with being led by your flesh. You take up the cross. You take up the cross and you follow after Jesus. That's what the born-again person does. That's not just for the pastor, the Bible teacher, or somebody else, someone that, that, that wears a certain robe or, or whatever. No, that, that's for anyone that wants to come to Christ. They have to take up the cross and they have to follow after Him. This is what the born-again Christian, the saved Christian, has done, right? They crucify the flesh and the lust thereof. They set their minds on the things of the Spirit, things like righteousness, holiness, being sober-minded, looking for, looking for the glorious appearing of Christ, knowing that if Christ were to return today, you'd be ready. It wouldn't take you by surprise because you've been walking in the way that His grace has taught you to walk. You've been walking in the way of righteousness. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a ministry of righteousness. 
right? And when the work, when the Spirit of the Lord is truly at work in a, in a person, it's clearly seen. It's clearly seen. It's evident. Verse 17, now the, now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image, into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, the Spirit of the Lord does this transforming work within the heart of a person that truly turns to the Lord. A transforming work that sets us free from sin and death. Gives us liberty. We've been redeemed out of that. We no longer walk in that way. It is a work that puts us on the, the path of righteousness for the name of Jesus. A path that has us denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. That's the ministry of the Spirit of the Lord. That's how you can know if the Spirit of the Lord is working in you or not. That's how you can know if you have truly been saved by grace. By the way, the Spirit of the Lord is working this righteousness in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we thank you for your word, God, your holy word, your living word. Lord, it is a living, active word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. It does a work deep within us, cuts through everything, and gets to the heart of the matter, Lord. It causes us to see what you desire of us, what your will is, Lord. I pray that you will pour out your spirit, Lord, that people would turn their eyes upon you, that people would hear the message of the gospel, that people would hear this message, Lord, even, and turn their hearts toward you, repent of their sin, and give their hearts to you, Lord. Lord, I pray for revival, Lord, the work of your Spirit to revive souls, Lord, to bring the, the dead, those that are walking spiritually dead around this world, Lord, those to bring the dead back to life, Lord, to give that life, that abundant life that you promise, Lord. The enemy who kills, who steals, and who destroys has had his way and has his way in the lives of many people, Lord, but by the working of your Spirit, Lord, that can all be changed, Lord. And I pray for hearts and souls today that they would turn unto you, Lord. That all of us, Lord, would take your word seriously, Lord, and that we would be ready, Lord, for that glorious appearing for when you return. God, thank you for this time. Just bless us in the rest of our day. Guide us through the, the week to come. In Jesus' name, amen.